0: Our gospel lesson this morning is going to come from Matthew, Matthew chapter 4. We'll be reading Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. I invite you to stand as you are able, in body or in spirit, for the reading of our gospel lesson. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, "'If you are the Son of God,' command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus again said to him, again it's written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and said to him, All of these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it's written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I love documentaries, I'm a big fan of documentaries. Um, there, there's a joke I heard that I found to be true. You know, you're getting older when you find yourself on a Saturday afternoon with nothing to do, and you, for no, for some uncertain reason, find yourself watching a World War II documentary. You just want to watch documentaries about World War II. That's when you're becoming an old man. You just want to do that. So I love a good documentary. I think they're fun. I think they're interesting to watch. And I think documentaries give us insight into certain things. So they're just some of my favorite movies are documentaries. I'm saying this to say that the thing about documentary is that they give you usually some insight into a historic or true event. Matthew 4 to me is almost like a documentary. Because we see some very interesting insight and very interesting things happen at how spiritual warfare works about how temptation works, and frankly, about how the devil works. So I think when we read this passage, there's some very interesting things that we can pick up that could help us in our spiritual journeys and our spiritual paths. So I'm really excited about this passage today, and I really hope you have your Bible with you. If not, I would encourage you to follow along in your pew Bible or on your phone or some device. I think there's going to be some really neat things we're going to see today. First, let's talk about temptation. Okay. Okay. Temptation is an interesting thought to think about because I think we struggle to figure out what is temptation versus what is sin. Because when you read the Bible, when you read, you know, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, for instance, Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, he says that you've heard it said, if you commit murder, you know, you'll be punished for murder. But I tell you, if you hate in your heart, you've committed murder. Jesus says, you've heard it said you should not commit adultery. Well, I'll say if you lust in your heart, you committed adultery. So for Jesus, we see that there's a shifting from an outward law that we read through Scripture that we're taught to an inward law that we're called not just to be obedient with our actions, but with our hearts. So in other words, Jesus says you can think it and maybe not do it, But that in that sin, so I think we struggle with it. Well, where is the line? Where is the line between what is temptation versus what is that thought that becomes sinful? Where is that? Because here's the thing, y'all. Temptation is not a sin. Okay? Jesus was tempted. So if Jesus, if temptation is a sin and Jesus was tempted, wouldn't that then mean that Jesus sinned, right? That's the line of logic. Well, scripture tells us that Jesus didn't sin. Scripture tells us that Jesus was sinless. Jesus, scripture tells us that Jesus was tempted and tried as we are, yet remained without sin. So we see that Jesus was sinless, right? Jesus did not sin. So scripture tells us, yet Jesus faced temptation. So temptation in and of itself is not a sin. Where is the line? Okay, um, I live off Yandale, up in north part of that part up there. And most days I come to work by, um, by, 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 by North Old Canton. I'll take the back roads, North Old Canton to Hoy Road, Rice Road, and come out by the MRA and go that way. But some days I want a cup of coffee. I've only had 45 cups of coffee at the house, so I need one more. So I'll go to Starbucks. Well, in those days, I've got to get on the interstate And come down and get Starbucks over there, or cups over here. Well, if you don't live in the Gluckstadt area, this means nothing to you. But if you live in Gluckstadt, that interstate in the morning, getting on there, y'all, I'm not holy enough. Like, I'm not. If I had a laser on my car, I would blow people up, okay? Like... I joke about this on Wednesday nights, but I'm not joking. I'm not a particularly good or patient driver. Tim, does the staff. Oh, no, let's, let's not pick on Tim. Peggy, do y'all let me drive when we go places as a staff? Would you want to ride with me? <laughs> For those you're not seeing, Peggy shook her head no to both of those. I'm not holy enough to do that. So. What's the difference between a sin and temptation? So let's say I'm getting off the Gluckstadt exit on the interstate and Tim cuts me off. And I think, "Oh, that sorry rascal. I can't believe Tim did that to me. He cut me off. That gummit. Oh, well. You know, he shouldn't have done that." And then I let it go. But let's say Tim cuts me off and then I think, "I can't believe Tim did that." You know what I mean to I'm going to go to PetSmart. I'm going to buy a snake. And I'm just not going to buy any snake. I'm going to buy a snake that's pregnant. And I'm going to put this pregnant snake in Tim's office. And that pregnant snake's going to have little snake babies. And they're just going to go all over his office. And he'll never know if I got them all. He'll never know. He'll be sitting there 30 years from now, and a baby snake might crawl out. What's that? That's right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because when he finds them, he'll come talk to me. The temptation is the thought, oh, that's sorry, rascal. I can't believe he did that. Then I let it go. It becomes sin when I allow it to grab hold to my brain. It becomes sin when I begin to let it grab hold to my heart. The passing thought is the temptation. That's not a sin. We all struggle with that. It's when we give the passing thought room to take, pl- take root in our hearts. It's when we give the passing thought room to take root in our minds and our hearts and our souls and we feed it and we give it room to grow and we allow it to make its home within us. Even if we don't act on it, we've given it room to have dominion in our heart, dominion in our soul, dominion in our life. The passing thought in and of itself is the temptation that is not the sin, but it's when we give the sin, when we give the temptation room to grow in our hearts, our minds and our souls and take ownership of us. That's when it becomes the sin. Jesus faced the temptation. He heard a temptation from the devil, and he quickly dealt with it and moved away. He did not give it room to grow in his heart. That's where we need to be careful, y'all. It's not just when we face the passing thought, because we're going to have the passing thought. That's called living life. That's called being human. It's what do we do with it? Do we feed it? Do we give it room to grow? Or do we quickly brush it aside and move on? That's the difference between temptation and sin. So we see here today in, 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 in the passage, Jesus faces temptation. Temptation takes all of us. As Scripture says, Jesus faced temptation. He was tested as we are, yet remained without sin. We see in this passage, we see it says in verse 1, that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. He was. So we, we talked of wilderness in the Old Testament passage. Wilderness is always in Scripture connected with testing. Testing. So we see In the Old Testament, they were tested. We see in Scripture that Jesus Christ himself was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested. The Spirit led him there, y'all. He didn't want to go there necessarily. Y'all, there's sometimes that God has us go to places that we would not go in of our own free will. Sometimes God may place place us into places and Times where we might not want to go of our own free will or of our own accord, but God's Spirit drives us there for some greater purpose. We see J- the Spirit drove Jesus to the wilderness for the temptation, but you're going to see why in just a second, why he must have been tempted and what that meant. But the Spirit drove him there. Sometimes we find ourselves in places we don't want to be, in places we don't want to be. But we have to trust that when we're in these places we don't want to be, that God is there with us. Because, yes, he was driven by the Spirit into the temptation. But God was with him in the temptation. In the temptation. And by the way, let's talk about temptation, y'all. Okay, like, you're amazing. You're awesome. Like, you're all, as Garrison Keillor would say in Lake Wobegon, you're all smart and good-looking and above average, okay? You're all. All of y'all but you ain't Jesus, okay? I love you, but you ain't Jesus. If the devil tried to tempt Jesus, you think he's going to leave you alone? Really? I mean, if he's, I mean, go big or go home, I guess. He's trying to tempt the very son of God. I mean, that's bold, y'all. That's bold. If he's going to go after Jesus, he's certainly going to go after Andy Stoddard. I mean, going after Jesus is like playing Alabama. Going after Andy Stotters is like playing Northwestern Louisiana State. Okay? You know, I'm a cupcake in the grand scheme of the universe. So if the devil's so bold to tempt Jesus, we can rest assured we in our lives will face temptation. We can rest assured of that. If Jesus faced it, we know that we will. If he, if he came after Jesus, he will come after you. Let's look real quick at the three temptations. And then let's go look at what they tell us about the devil and how we can address them. So we see three temptations in this. We see the first temptation is in verse 3. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Then verse 5 and 6. And the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written. Then verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. So we see there with Jesus three specific temptations. As we see, the first, he had been fasting for 40 days. He was hungry. He was tired. And what's the devil tempted with? Earthly possessions. Earthly stuff. Turn this stone into bread. Earthly things. The stuff of this earth. The devil's going to come after us, y'all, with things that are shiny. Things that appeal to us. Things that we won't. By the way, things that may not even be bad. There's nothing wrong with a sandwich, is there? There's, I hope there's nothing wrong bread. If so, I'm in trouble. I don't like bread. There's nothing wrong with that. But this earthly thing was something that would take his eyes off of his mission for God. The devil came after him first with earthly stuff. The challenge, y'all, I, I don't, worry about most of us here going out and commit murder today. But the challenge is this. How much of our integrity will we compromise to get what we want? It's not when the temperature's turned up to 300 degrees. That's easy. What I want is bumped up to 77 degrees or 78 or 80 how much of the little places in our life we, where we compromise our integrity in small ways to get what we want, to get what we think, think we need, to get what, this is where the devil gets us, to get what we deserve. Where we compromise our integrity, where we compromise God's truth, where we compromise our lives to get the earthly stuff that we think we want, The earthly stuff that we think we need. These earthly things that we think that are so important. So the first temptation is for the earthly stuff. Stone to bread. The second is this. He takes him to the pinnacle of the temple. And by the way, what does he do here to Jesus? Quote the Bible. Y'all. It's not just enough to quote the Bible. It's not just enough to know chapter and verse. We have to know the Bible. That's why Paul says, let the word of God richly dwell within you. You think you can quote the Bible? Well, So does the devil. Okay, he went, the devil went chapter and verse right here, didn't he? It isn't just that. So it isn't just enough for us to be able to quote a verse here or there. Or to quote the way, like, Quoting the Bible is a good gift. I told my Sunday school class this morning. It's a gift we should aspire to have. Knowing the Bible is good. But it isn't just enough that we can quote the Bible. We must know the Bible. Because what's the devil do? He quotes the Bible to Jesus. What does Jesus do? He quotes it correctly to the devil. It isn't just that Jesus quoted the Bible. It's that he knew the Bible. So he goes to Jesus and he says, hey, hey. Throw yourself off this pinnacle and they'll protect you. They'll catch you. What was the second temptation? Safety. Where was Jesus' life headed? What path was he walking towards? Right there the cross. Of all the ways that we humans have come up with to kill each other, the cross might have been the worst. You die by asphyxiation. You die because you choke on your own fluids. They break your legs so that you can't push up and breathe. You literally suffocate on the cross. You die naked. They strip you down. It's a painful, embarrassing way to die. By the way, Jesus in his humanity didn't want to do that. What did he pray before in the garden before he was betrayed? Lord, take this cup from me, but not your will, but mine. Jesus was both fully God and fully human. We needed the humanity of Jesus to shed the blood to atone for sin because it was human sin that caused all this, so humans must atone. But it was the divine nature, the divinity of Jesus that made him sinless. That's the incarnation, fully God, fully human. That's what made the cross what it was. It's what he did. So Jesus knew that he was headed to the cross. Lord, keep my eyes on the cross, as the choir sang today. That must have scared the humanity of Jesus. And wouldn't he have desired safety? Wouldn't he have desired safety, the humanness of Jesus? That was his temptation We have in our culture made safety and comfort our our idols. We desire safety and we desire comfort above all things in the American culture. How often do we compromise our integrity? How often do we compromise what's right? For a little bit of safety and a little bit of comfort the last temptation we see is this, where he takes him to the mountain and says, offers him all the world, says, worship me, and I'll give this to you. What's the last temptation? Power. Worship me, and I will give this to you. How often do we compromise our integrity for power? How often do we give it in small little ways for power? And y'all, like... I may be wrong, but I don't know if there's a future president of the United States in our sanctuary this morning. Maybe there is. Maybe we have a bunch of y'all. I don't know. We think of power in these grand and glorious, glorious, glorious terms. President, president, political power. That might not be the power that's going to trip us up. How, where do we sacrifice our integrity for power in the workplace? Where do we sacrifice our integrity for power in the HOA? Where do we sacrifice our integrity for power in our families? Where do we sacrifice our power, our integrity for power on our street? It's not always, the devil wants us to think the temptation and the fall is always big and huge. And sometimes it is. But, y'all, most times it's in the small little ways the devil gets us to, to give up our integrity for these earthly things things, for safety and comfort, for power. The same things the devil attacked Jesus about is the same thing he attacks us about, y'all. The exact same places. So what do we learn from the devil in this right here? A couple things. First, we we see that spiritual warfare is always an active battle. It's always a moving target. Do you notice how the devil changed his tactics? First, he just tempted him. Well, then he quoted the Bible at him. And then he attacked these things. So he would hit the devil. He would, the devil would hit Jesus. And, and, he would, and Jesus would, like, if, you're, if you've been in a fight, which I know you've all loved to box and a big fist, bare-knuckle brawlers in the sanctuary. But if you're in a fight, you know, you're going to protect yourself when somebody's hitting you. So the devil would attack Jesus. Jesus would protect himself. And the devil would move on. The devil is always probing for weakness, and he changes his method. He changes his attacks. Just because you've defeated temptation in one area of your life, doesn't mean you've defeated temptation in every area of your life. Temptation is a daily battle, temptation is a daily thing. The struggle is a daily war against evil and against temptation. The devil's always changing his tactics. Notice he quoted the Bible. <laughs> the Bible. He's going to do everything he can do to throw us off and to tempt us. So we've got to be aware. We've got to be awake. We've got to be looking. We've got to be protecting. We've got to be growing. We've got to understand these places he comes to us and be ready for that attack and stand up. But here's the thing. If you don't remember anything, I tell you during Lent, remember this. The last temptation... The devil takes Jesus to the mountain and says, worship me, and I will give all this to you. Let me ask you a question. Did the devil have the power to give that to Jesus? No. He's lying. He can't give that to Jesus because guess what? Jesus already has it. In Colossians, it says that all things were made by Christ and through Christ, and he holds all things together. Jesus, I mean, the devil didn't have the power or the ability to give this to Jesus. He was lying. This temptation was a lie. He couldn't give Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, first, because they weren't the devils to give, and second, they were already Jesus. Jesus already had them. He was already king of kings and lord of lords. The devil is lying. He can't even do this. Y'all, temptation is always a lie. It always looks good. It always looks appealing. It always looks like it's life-giving. But temptation is always a lie. If you don't remember anything I tell you during this Lenten season, remember that. Temptation is a lie. The devil is lying here. He could not give that to Jesus. It wasn't his to give. It was God's. He was lying. And if we will remember that temptation is a lie, it gives us. He believed to stand up to it. And in the end, we see that angels were sent to protect him. God's going to take care of you, y'all. When you're going through trials and troubles and temptations, God sees, God knows, and God cares. He will not leave you, and he is with you in the midst of it. As his word says in John 14, he will not leave us orphans. He is coming to us. Scripture says that we, if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. If we stand against him with God's word in our heart, the truth of scripture in our heart, if we stand firm and understand that temptation is a lie, and if we stand knowing that God stands with us and that Christ has already overcome, we can stand against the temptations of the devil. Understand them for what they are. They are a lie. Do not give them room in your heart to grow. The devil has already defeated the devil. The Jesus has already defeated the devil. The devil's already defeated. May we stand firm in the victory that Christ has already won. Let us pray.